Hey there, and welcome to the Fantasy Fantasia Podcast, a podcast where a bunch of theater nerds gather around and play various tabletop role-playing games, such as Dungeons and Dragons, Monster Hearts, Monster of the Week, Call of Cthulhu, and more. This podcast was only made possible by the Arts, Cultural, and Heritage Fund in Windsor, Ontario, so big thanks to them. My name is Eric Brangett, and I will be your Master of Ceremonies for tonight's episode of Undergrad, A Monster Heart's Tale. Previously on Undergrad, all hell broke loose at the frat sorority rush party after descending the party into absolute chaos in their quest to free the poltergeist Rufus, our Oakhurst staff and students brought on the wrath of the sorority queen, Lauren L., causing her to summon her jock brother and his friends to kick everybody out. Evelyn locked herself in an upstairs bedroom to perform the spell as the rest of the group stopped the jocks from breaking in. Rufus flew their enemies through the house. Egan hypnotized one of them to run off to Texas, and Zack, uh, used his, mm, natural talents. Unfortunately, the tides of battle changed, and found Iris and Kane unconscious in the basement. To heal Iris, Kane was forced to make a deal with his dark power. One of the conditions of this deal was for him to break up with Iris. Finally, our heroes managed to prevail over their foes and clear the party out. Evelyn presented Rufus with the magic-infused beeper to free him. Before departing to see the world and to catch up with his family, Rufus provided the group with some crucial leads. They are now on the hunt to learn more about the VP of Oakhurst, Mr. Silvertree, and uncover the secrets of the Rose. What will Kane do with his new deal? What part does VP Silvertree have to play in all this? What awaits the society next? Find out right now on Undergrad, A Monster Heart's Tale. And welcome back to the Fantasy Fantasia podcast, brought to you by Tall Tale Theater Collective. This is, of course, Monster Hearts Undergrad, brought to you by Antonino's Original Pizza and Brimstone Games. How's everyone doing today? Fantastic. Yay! Filled up with oh pizza my God, and stones. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so... Basically, the goal of today is we want to wrap up the night's events as, you know, if you've been listening to the past episodes, the mushroom-induced party was fucking wild. And <laughs> we did leave some plot threads kind of lying there, so we want to tie them up because the next time that you hear from us, we actually have a very exciting two to three part, we're not quite sure how it's going to play out, but two to three part special that we're actually going to be um, teaming up with a company all the way up in Toronto. We live in Windsor, so it's about four hours away, and we are doing a double Monster Hearts campaign extravaganza one-off. So there'll be some threads as to what's going on there as we play, but just want to give you a little hint. But for now, how about uh, we wrap up the events of the night, everyone? Oh, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Chapter 11, An Unexpected Invitation. Our camera opens on a quiet evening after a very frivolous party. 
drug-infused orgy, one might say, and many of them from days on end will swear that manatees attended. <laughs> the results to that are still inconclusive. We are down the cul-de-sac that we have spent the majority of our last episodes in, and we see as our camera drops down from the night sky filled with stars, as the Oakhurst College campus begins to start to settle down for the evening as it is now well past midnight. And in fact, dawn is beginning to break. Dr. Egan and Iris are making their way back to the frat house to look for some yearbooks. As they're walking, Iris is like looking back and she keeps looking forward and then looking back to where um, Kane was walking and then looks forward and she keeps like hopping and turning around and then turning back. Kane is long gone. So even if you could see him, he's like the faintest dot in the background. Okay. And, and Egan um, kind of looks around too. She wants to see if anybody's kind of within earshot. Is there anybody around or is it just- No, honestly, the party ruckus has either scared most people away or have kept them in their homes. It doesn't look like anyone's so Nobody, we are unknown. Okay. Um, yes. So, so Elizabeth uh, kind of looks at Iris and sees her kind of looking around and, and wants to kind of reel her in. She says, Iris, I, I wanted to talk to you privately about something. Well, actually now two things. When I first met you in the um, bathroom, <laughs> I noticed that you, and I know, I know that this will sound kind of strange, you had a different scent than the others. Oh, like roses? Or daisies? No, it's, it's well, it is sort of earthen. It, like flowery? Not quite flowery, more, more like, uh, well, like foliage, but... But uh, there's something that, something very earthy about it, and Ooh. it's familiar to me in a way that's that's sort of like um, a sense memory from my youth. But I couldn't remember how I, I I knew it until I saw you talking to the plants on the roof. And she kind of leans into her and she says, "Are you? You're one of the fairy folk, aren't you?" <laughs> um, it's all right. You can tell me. Um, she like looks around. She's like, oh, I'm not supposed to talk, tell a lot of people about these things. So I'm conflicted whether I should say yes or no to that question. <laughs> but, I think that's an answer, isn't it? <laughs> um, it's all right. Your secret is safe with me. I, I. You promise? Um, of course. Okay. <laughs> and, and I promise I won't tell anybody. You can decide if and when you want to tell the others. Mm. But, mm -hmm. All right. Um, yeah. I hope, though, that you would let us know all the things you can do, just in case, you know, it might help us when we're up against darker forces. Oh, I mean, um, I'm kind of in a human body right now, so I can't really do everything. But, hmm. um, yeah, we'll yeah, see. I was, I was sort of wondering why you were so... And then she kind of makes uh, a motion with her hands to kind of indicate, <laughs> like, height. Like, you know, why are you so big in your face? <laughs> oh, um, uh, well, my aunt, she, she, um, she transformed my body into, like, a human body. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like, like, uh, necromancy? Or 
something like that? Necromancy is evil, no. Uh, so you, you don't actually look like this? It's well, no, I mean, I look, I look a lot like this. I look similar, except, you know, I have giant wings. And But, um, yeah, it, it's mostly me. <laughs> oh, all right. By the way, I love your tattoo. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to keep my wings with me. By now, you've arrived at the frat house that you were heading back to. And do we notice, is, is anybody there? Is, is oh, no. Much? It okay, is. So it's completely. <laughs> it's a fucking ruin. <laughs> like, the front door is totally ripped down. The front lawn looks like pigs had been rolling in it. <laughs> oh, my God. When it was just a fresh oh, lawn. You, yeah, the, you can, you can literally see that there's still electric sparks coming from the broken amp in the back caused by the battle of the bands. Yes. And that's, uh, and all the power's out. Hey, Egan, um, yes. Question. Um, yes. Um, is this what all parties are like? Cause this was kind of a lot. I mean, I like parties and I want to go to more, but this was, this was quite a, a party. Is this normal? I don't think so. I mean, perhaps some parties, but not the ones that I go to. Mm. Um, I think this was a little bit unusual for, for a typical frat party. <laughs> I think there were other forces at work, too. Yeah. Hey, yes. I can only stay a little bit because I need to go do something. Maybe like 15, 10 minutes. Do you think that'll be enough time to find the yearbook? Uh, I certainly hope so. Okay, first one to find it wins. <laughs> okay, okay. And she runs into the house. <laughs> so the sun is breaking through and there's enough holes in the house at this point <laughs> that there are pockets of light kind of coming into the house. Okay, now. so we can see. Now, yeah. um, so Elizabeth was in the house and kind of covered a good deal of, of you know, up, upstairs and downstairs. Did she, does she remember any like bookshelves or where uh, yearbooks might be stored? Yes, she actually saw that on that, like, you know, that main mantle, the main mantle in the living room area? Yes. There was a little bookshelf in there, actually. Okay, okay. She says, um, Iris, um, I have an idea about where we might want to look. What? Uh, Iris is in the kitchen looking in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> is there, like, an apple? Yeah, so there's a few apples, and you find a 60 of vodka. <laughs> oh, my God. And a plate of brownies. A plate of brownies? There's no apple? Uh, a plate of brownies, oh no. apples, and a 60 of vodka. She takes a brownie and an apple. Okay. She's Are like, you eating them or just holding them? She's biting into the apple first, but she has the brownie. Because it, it smelled sweet, so she wanted it. Uh, yeah, it smelled like a lot of things. Iris, <laughs> come in. Come in, come in, mm. in here. Um, I, I thought I saw some books in here when I was last in here. You're so smart. And yeah, in that shelf, um, you do see that most of the glass has been shattered and oh, broken. And clearly this is a part where <laughs> you're you're at a part where, where uh, Killer was trying to rip through mm, the ceiling right. at one point. So there's like holes in the ceiling and shit that the sun is coming through. Oh, and geez. almost as if this divine beam of light is kind of hitting this, yeah, shining on the yearbooks. Yeah, year <laughs> you see a list of kind of, on the top shelf, there's the former house members and their accomplishments. But under that, you see a series of yearbooks from the most current one of last year to the very first year that the house was brought into existence just okay. at the turn of the century. Oh, okay. Wow. So this is a big bookshelf. I forget. What are we looking for? I was kind of distracted before with some other things. Um, what exactly are we looking for again? So Elizabeth turns to Iris to answer her. She bites into to, the brownie. She holds you holding a brownie and she's like, wait, 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 Iris, Iris, <laughs> spit that out. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Please. Oh, oh dear. She swallows. Um, <laughs> okay. It tastes um, it tastes sweet and chocolatey, but also it tastes like you just ate some grass. Oh, 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 Iris, Iris, um, you know what? Uh, why did you I think that, that was old. <laughs> yes, I am sure that it is. It's old. You don't want that. Here, give it to me. Okay. I like, I like this apple, though. This is pretty good. Yeah, it's a really nice Granny Smith. She kind of puts the, the brownie on like a side table or just somewhere out of the way. And then she says, come here, look, we mm. have that. I just found all the, the yearbooks. We're looking for, um, I think I remember it was, uh, we, we were told to look for Silver something? Sorry? Silver something? Silver. Um, he oh, did say silver yes, something. Yes, he did say something. That's right. Yes. Hmm. Very, very good memory. Um, so Thank she, you. Uh, so Elizabeth looks and uh, does she see 1978? Yeah, you okay. you see in order. You see 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, of course. Okay. I'll take the so, next one. All right. So she grabs 78 and she opens up the, the book and kind of flips past all of the pictures of the students and gets to the faculty section. And and she's looking through all of the, the lists of, uh, of faculty. And does she see the Dean of Students? She does see the Dean of Students, yes. And what is the name of the Dean of Students? You see that it says Dean of Students... Lawrence Silvertree. And is there anything, uh, I'm assuming there's a picture. Yeah, so Silvertree at this point, he looks um, very much like, a, I can only describe him as looking like Mitt Romney. He, no. <laughs> you know? he Mitt Romney. Yeah, like, <laughs> and, and, and because at this point Mitt Romney was still in politics, like, you would even think, like, man, this guy looks like Mitt Romney. Yes. <laughs> Now, I I should know Lawrence Silvertree because he's now the, was it, he's now a VP or something, right? Lawrence Silvertree is the vice president of okay. the university. And now here's the question. Does he mm -hmm. look the same or different? So this is 12 years ago. So Yes. So he actually looks much older now. So you know that he still looks, you know, at this point, he looks like old Mitt Romney, but you might not even think about that. You know what I mean? Because like Mitt Romney at this point was young. He's pretty old, but his old self looks like that. But at yeah. this point, he's lost most of his hair. Okay. He's got some liver spots and stuff. He's right. got like, you know, kind of a more hunched back just from age. Because sure. um, he, he was, you know, he was in his 60s then. So he's, he's quite old now, okay. but he is still the vice president oh well, in fact he's worked his way up to be the the vice president of the college at this point is there anything else like um like a lapel pin or an insignia on anything he's wearing that would indicate some sort of affiliation with something yeah so as you're looking at it closely you see that he's dressed very well a very prim pinstripe suit that you know is is nicely form fitting. His hair is is really well. You you can tell that he puts a lot of at least at that point put a lot of effort into his appearance, mm. and you, it's very difficult to to look at. But you do see that he has a pin on his jacket, mm. okay. and it's a bit hard to see in this particular picture because of how far the picture is out. It's it, it just looks like a, a something shiny. But I can't make out any aspect of it like is it square or circular or anything like that not in this picture it's okay. a bit of a low resolution gotcha. it looks almost like this year they they didn't pay the photographer very well because <laughs> like for some reason 78 does not all the pictures don't look great <laughs> which is true and in most cases yeah, with 1970s photos but <laughs> now iris you're looking at a different year right yeah i'm at on 79 
Okay, so when you look at 79, I would presume that when, when you tell her the name to look at, mm-hmm. Iris, you find Lawrence Silvertree is there as well. He, instead of a dark blue pinstripe suit, he's in a light gray pinstripe suit. He looks pretty much the same. His hair might be a little grayer than it was the year before. But this year, the pictures are a lot more in focus. Clearly, they got a budget up for the photographer. They weren't happy with last year's results. And you can clearly see that on his little lapel is a silver rose. (gasps) Found it! Found it! I found the rose! What'd you find? A a rose? Yep. Oh, look. Iris sits in Egan's lap and, like, holds the book to her. (laughs) (laughs) Look, 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 right here. Yes. Oh, that's exactly what I was looking for. It's a rose. Look under the rose. I mean, obviously it can't be this rose, but... Uh, No, but... Iris flipped the page just to make sure... (laughs) There's nothing on the page, like, below. <laughs> there's there's something that, like, the like that page is particularly, like, hard, and you see that it's the uh, women's volleyball team. Oh. Oh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> well, now we know where to find that component for that, that spell again. Um. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so I said, oh, okay. Why don't you get the yearbook from 1980, Iris? Sure. She goes up and grabs right. it. And as she's doing that, Egan flips in her 1978 uh, yearbook, because I'm, I'm assuming that, uh, like most yearbooks, they have, an, uh, like, a, an index in the back. Yeah. So she's flipping to the index and looking up Lawrence Silvertree to see if he's part of any kind of, like, you know, overseas an organization or any kind of other affiliation. Honestly, no. Okay. All right. So no, just, like uh, it looks squeaky clean. You see that there are a few awards for like outstanding teacher and things that he had before he became a dean, uh, that he used to be a prof at the school and, and he seemed to have been quite renowned in, in, in uh, his, his teaching. But other than that, no, nothing. Okay. You see, though, that the one thing that is different is you can make this out because when you're comparing the two in 79, the rose was completely silver. In 80, the rose, the top at least, is slightly pink, almost red, as the bottom is now silver. Oh, okay. well, it's like a magic um, pin. I, I think we didn't need to get it through through 82. So she goes over and grabs the 81 and 82 and hands 82 to Iris and opens up 81 to um, his, his page on 81. At this point, the leaves have a bit more green. And by the time we get to 82, it's essentially completely filled with color. You know what? When I go back to do what I have to do, maybe I could go and stop by and talk to some roses to see if they know what if they know what's going on. Sure. I, why not? Flowers know more than you think. I, I suppose they do. You, I suppose you would know. They watch a lot. By the way, <laughs> what, what do you have to go back to do? If you don't oh, mind my asking. Um, just something personal. I don't know. Maybe I was imagining it, but I, I noticed that there was some some tension between you and Kane. Is everything all right? Um. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, I hope not. I mean, I'm a little nervous and confused, but we'll see what happens. Did anything happen? He saved my life. Oh, that, that's good. No one saved my life before. I've never really needed saving, though, before. I've never really mm. been in that much pain. Yes. Oh, were you in pain? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a lot. I'm so sorry. I cried. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you all right now? Yeah, he kind of used his magic and saved my life. It was the sweetest thing. My heart, like, is so full from thinking about it, but then my heart is sad because he pushed me away, emotionally and physically. Oh. Oh. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm so sorry to hear that. I think, no, it's fine. I think it's just something, but it's okay. It'll be fine. Okay. I hope. I mean, I hope. We'll see. I hope. Hmm. All right. And well. she eats the, she just starts like eating so much of the apple so her mouth is full and she just smiles. <laughs> <laughs> he is trying to be supportive and she says, well, you know, a lot has happened in the past few days. You know, Kane has probably spent about 17 or 18 years not realizing that that all of these extraordinary and, and, and supernatural things uh, are, exist in this world and between that and, and being thrown into a secret society with a bunch of strangers it's probably very overwhelming for him I maybe he just needs a little bit of time to, to process everything you're right like 15 minutes <laughs> maybe oh, oh, perhaps a little bit longer than that maybe like uh, 25 I, I'm thinking maybe overnight maybe just let it sleep on it um, mm. you know I, I've seen the way he looks at you he's quite taken with you I'm sure it has mm. nothing to do with you mm. yeah. and you can start to hear the fire department Heading down the house. Clearly, they have been called. Look, um, why don't I take these yearbooks? I, I don't see anybody around, and I'm sure they won't miss it for a while. Um, I'm gonna take these back with me, and uh, okay. I, I suppose we'll just uh, we'll we'll meet up tomorrow at the the society. Okay, and she gives her a big hug and just says, Megan, you're a very nice person. You're very smart, and you're very beautiful, and I'm just really happy I met you. Okay? And she gives her a kiss oh. on the cheek, and then like oh. hops back, <laughs> and she kind of just sort of awkwardly pats Iris on the back. <laughs> all right, well, good luck with all of your, whatever you have to do tonight. Thank you. Yeah, all right. I'm nervous well, and excited and nervous and, and nervous, but it's good. And she starts walking okay. away and she stops and she goes to try to, she's like, hey, were you gonna finish that brownie? I think it's probably a good idea. Y yes, yes, I'm going to finish the brownie. <laughs> yes, now go on, go on, toddle okay. off. <laughs> Next brownie's mine though, okay? Uh, sure, absolutely. <laughs> she, she smiles and like hops away and just eating her apple. So I assume, Egan, that you're going back to your car, correct? Yes, I'm just going to go back to my car awesome. and go home. <laughs> cool. Okay, so Egan, before we leave you, oh. you get into your car. And you do see, I mean, you know, we have established you are easily the wealthiest person here. Yes. So you do see that, you know, you you have a car phone. We mm -hmm. know that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go one step further and say that your car phone has messages. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Whoa. So wow. you see a flashing red and like it's like a like you know those clunky like yes. big red buttons. Yeah, yes, right? Yes. Like it's this technology is not streamlined yet. <laughs> it's, no. It it flashes uh clearly signaling that you have a message. Okay, so she presses the button to hear the message. Yeah. And it says, "You have a message from the Office of College Outreach." Hello, I would like to be calling you to let you know that you have been selected to accompany some students from our college in an outreach program. You will be heading to the super fun Learn to Be a Leader summer camp. It is a student excursion, and as a faculty member, you have been randomly selected. You can't, you can't see it. But I put that in air quotes because, frankly, people have things to teach and you don't teach. So, anyways, enjoy your trip. Goodbye. Hey, I just called this teacher. She's got to go to this shitty cat. As the phone hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Boom, there it is. 
So Egan sort of sits in her car and just thinks of ways that she can get out of this. And, <laughs> and she turns on her car and she starts driving home. Okay. Our camera transitions to the treetops. Kane, you have arrived at the treetops. The sun is breaking over the sky, but the campus is still very quiet as this is day three of Welcome Week. So by now, everyone is thoroughly hungover. So how would you like to proceed? Oh, man. Okay. So he's just like really filled with like a darkness in his heart right now. Like the whole walk home, it almost feels like he has these voices constantly echoing in his head or these whispers like saying these terrible things. And he feels this huge weight on his chest. And he's just thinking about these debts and these these things that his friend is asking him to do. And he, like, he feels this immense pressure to have to do them now. He goes into the hall and he kind of just paces a little bit and he slams both his fists on a wall. And he stands there for a moment and he's just thinking like, fuck, I'm really screwed right now. But then he has this moment of clarity and he kind of feels his necklace hanging from his neck and he strokes it and an idea creeps into his mind. So he returns to his dorm and he locks the door behind him and he begins finding any sort of thing in his room that he can use to draw on the floor with. Yeah, so there isn't anything, but uh, you do have a little knife. All right, that'll do. He's pretty desperate. So he, he grabs the knife and he kind of looks at the floor and he, he briefly thinks about how expensive that floor probably is. But then he also thinks that they can probably afford to fix it. I mean, look at this place. And he just begins <laughs> really without care, stabbing into the floor and scratching it, just trying to get the job done as fast as he can until he's scratched the image of a pentagram on the ground. And he's going to try to harness this dark energy in him to try to speak not to his own friend, but he's searching for one that might be darker or go deeper or could even be a little bit above the one that he's already kind of made a deal with. Absolutely. So just for our listeners at home, if the Infernal chooses not to go with the wishes of their dark power, they're able to seek out a stronger dark power, basically to stick it to uh, the other one. Hmm. Shit runs downhill, especially with demons. Damn. So as you, I want you to roll plus dark for me. Okay. That's an eight. Okay, good. So this is, this is just kind of, this isn't for if it works, it's going to automatically work, but this is just for what you see. Mm, okay. So as soon as you start carving this in and you finish it, you look up and you feel like this clawing in the back of your neck, that old familiar feeling. And you hear, <laughs> and in front of you, as if he's been there the whole time, this dark shadowy humanoid just materializes in front of you with these glowing red eyes and it grabs you by the shirt and it drags you up and it Ugh. holds you and you can smell, it smells like rotten eggs coming off its body and the heat and, and the smoke, it's almost hard to breathe around it. and you see its eyes narrow and in your head you hear, what have you done? And it's holding you so aggressively. And all of a sudden you see it's slitted red eyes bulge open and it drops you and it, it you didn't even know it had a mouth. This dark mass opens up in its mouth as you hear it scream. 
and you see that the smoke in its body kind of gets it's getting evaporated and pulled away from the room's just too dark and smoky for you to see exactly what it's getting pulled into uh, and you almost have to turn away because of all the fire and smoke that's being <laughs> unleashed in the room and with this massive crescendo it goes away and as the room settles and the smoke clears you see sitting on your bed his legs dangling can't even reach the floor is a young boy no older than six in a full school uniform and he looks at you and goes hello Kane did you call Undergrad, A Monster Heart's Tale, will return after a brief word from our sponsors. And now, a word from our sponsor, Antonino's Pizza. Our specialty is pizza. That's what we do. It's what we do best. We don't offer pasta. We don't offer wings. We don't offer fries. We stick to what we do best, and we believe we do it better than anyone else. The best pizza in town or your money back every penny. We have three locations, South Windsor, Tecumseh at Manning and Amy Croft, and LaSalle on Malden Road. And now, a word from our sponsor, Brimstone Games, your one-stop shop for all your tabletop needs. Located at 1421 Tecumseh Road East in Windsor. And now, back to Undergrad, a Monster Hearts tale. That brings us to the trunk. So, Zach, you arrived back at your dorm and you're there and as soon as you get in you actually notice that your entire hive has crashed there and brian is sleeping in a pile of or origamis he's getting really good like it's insane some of the origamis that are on him and you see travis has like puked up a little bit and he's like passed out there's still like a half-lit joint in his hand um as he's sleeping and alexis has uh kind of curled up on a part of your bed um so zach uh, it's going to take like a little um, a crane and just kind of like flick it away. It's going to actually fly in his perspective, just away. It's going to tuck uh, Travis in just all nice, kind of like just make sure he's going to be okay. Just, you know, doing his thing. And uh, he's going to... Yeah, Travis just like moves and, and he like puts the joint in his hand like a soother and he like holds the blanket around him. And he's like... <laughs> and he's, he's like smoking in his sleep, basically. Zach's going to take the joint. <laughs> you know, first of all, safety. Second of all, what a waste. <laughs> he'll go into his, uh, his closet and he'll, uh, he'll first of all put away his, his guitar case uh, and take out the other one and just kind of look at it for a second and say, fuck that, and put it, put it back. Uh, and then sits at the head of the, or not the head, the, the foot part, where you put your feet, in a bed. The end of the bed. <laughs> the, the foot of the bed. Fuck. Thank you. Yeah. No, is it actually called the foot I of the bed? The yeah. Of the bed. yeah for your it is, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I've become 29 and just, my brain just is mush. Okay, yes, the foot of the bed, which you would think would be the feet on the legs, but who knows? It's a crazy world we live in, you I guess. You expected bed makers to be much more creative, but they're not. It's just, yeah. Goes to the foot of the bed and sits down. Yeah, and um, Alexis, you, you feel like her, her feet just kind of like brush up against you as she just 
<sighs> just like turns around and kind of she she rolls in her sleep a lot, so she just she just rolling over to the other side. Zach is um, he's gonna actually try to be kind of respectful here. He thinks uh, to the the blue haired girl, and um, well, he's been kind of spent, so he's just gonna <laughs> take out a little conservative spot on the bed and uh, just tuck himself in. Okay, so as you lay down, you hear Alexis whisper. So, um, yeah, no, I'm awake. I'm just, sorry. I'm just, uh, yeah. Um, I asked out that little German boy. Oh, shit. How'd that go? Oh, oh, he's so down. He invited me to a box squad party. Oh, that's an oxymoron. (laughs) (laughs) She giggles and she goes, so, um, are you into crash? I'm down to crash. Cool. Hell yeah. And, oh, she goes, oh, I don't know. It's like some sort of, uh, some sort of fall equinox bullshit. I don't know. They're honestly, I swear their parents are pagans or something. That's rad, man. Cool. Yeah. But like, I'm just glad it wasn't tonight because I think I'm fucking done, man. Honestly, I have never seen so many people on mushrooms in my entire life. Dude, I have something to ask you. Yeah. He gets up real close, kind of looks her straight in the eyes and says, did you, uh, did you see the manatee? Was that a real thing? <laughs> she laughs and she gives you a kiss on the lips. It's not exactly a peck, but not exactly a makeout. And she just turns around and begins to just um, spoon as she goes back to sleep. Sackle spoon back. Okay. Aww. Our camera fades from that to the roots. Evelyn, you are about to enter your dorm as you see that a group of people have actually gathered around to watch a cockfight outside your dorm (laughs) as people are like, I bet a thousand dollars and people are just like whipping out money for this cockfight. Oh my God. She's going to, uh, she's going to stare at the roosters and how far away is she from the people about? Oh, you're probably only like mm, 20, 15 feet away. Okay. She's going to stare at the roosters and just kind of start whispering and she wants to give them a chance to escape she wants to maybe like try to lift them up and get them over the crowd so they can escape do you have a move that you'd like to invoke there is Um, there a certain witch move that we can we can make this i'm looking right now um uh i think maybe uh you could do. Uh, could what are your moves again? possibly work? They cannot physically harm others. Yeah, roll, roll for binding, and let's see what happens. Okay. Yes, you got to roll plus dark. That's a ten. Oh, nice! So on a ten up, the hex works and can easily be reversed. So as so, how how do you want this to play out, Steph? I'm going to be staring at them and just whispering this chant and. I want to make the birds fall asleep so that they can't breathe. And they, they, they're like in a deep sleep. They won't wake up, if, even if the people try to get them to wake up. Yeah, so like the bird like looks at you and you <laughs> you see like its eyes kind of like start to start to like glow a little bit. And uh, it just starts like pecking the ground and it just falls asleep, just <laughs> down. Oh my God, it's and then the so other dead. one goes up, <laughs> the other one goes up to it and smells it and then just... And then falls down asleep. 
And the whole crowd just starts to die down. They're like, oh man, a cockfight's no fun if they're just sleeping peacefully. You might as well let them go. <laughs> so they just all disperse and the, the two roosters are just sleeping on the ground. <laughs> the owner's like, stupid roosters, and walks away. Okay. So, <laughs> just leave. Yeah. Them. Yeah. <laughs> so now that they're gone and no one's around, um, she's going to reverse the hex. And she's Wah! going to walk over Wah! to them. She's going to say, it's okay, guys. You're, you're, you're free now. You don't have to fight each other. Go go on and go live your happy rooster lives. They start... <laughs> you actually realize that one of them's a chicken and they start having sex. <laughs> Evelyn just kind of looks at them and she shrugs and she's like, well, I guess that's better than fighting. And she walks into her dorm. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. As you're, as you're walking over, way back to your dorm. So you arrive back at your dorm and you see Whiskers like lying on your bed and as soon as you walk in, Whiskers just stretches out to show its tummy. Oh, I rub Whiskers' tummy and then I, I get her some food. Okay, yeah, so she she starts eating. She She's doing really well. So what do you want to do while you're in here? I want to look through the stuff I have in my room and see if I have a, like a university university directory or something. Um, I actually want to try to see about getting a hold of Dr. Egan by phone. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you do see her office line. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm going to try to call that. Okay, it, it goes to a message. Do you want to do your answering machine, Dr. Egan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so it, uh, it goes. Hello, this is Dr. Egan. Please leave a message. Well, you know what to do. Just do it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love it. Evelyn's going to leave a message for her. Hi, Dr. Egan. It's Evelyn. I wanted to thank you for all of your help today. And I wanted to find a time to chat with you. Um... I found out some information that I think um, you'd like to know about, and I think it could definitely impact the conversation that we had earlier in your research lab. So please give me a call back. You hear a knock at your door. I hang up the phone and then I go to answer the door. You see your RA who, during the daytime, you've never seen the daytime RA before. Uh, she definitely looks like she is still on at least a few drugs, reeking of booze, um, <laughs> definitely in party clothes from last night. It was clearly an anything but clothes night because she's got a Kool-Aid like boxes all as like a dress. <laughs> and she's just chewing a big wad of gum. She's like, are you Avalyn Wilson Raid? Um, oh, sorry. Are you Evelyn Raid Wilson? I, it's yeah, got the left middle and yeah. That, okay. That's whatever. okay. Yes. Yes. That's me. There's like a message for you here. Here's a letter. It, they just came in. So there you go. Okay. Thank you. I don't usually have to, to deliver letters this early, but I just, <gasps> do you have any weed? <laughs> um, no. Sorry. Okay. All right, like, fucking whatever. And she just walks away, and you're holding a ornate envelope that has gold writing on it, and, you know, it's made of that kind of, like, brownish parchment paper. It's got that classic feel. And on it, it says, The Office of College Outreach. Okay, so I'm going to open up the envelope. 
and you open it and it says, Dear Evelyn Reed Wilson, <laughs> as a first year member of the Oakhurst College family, we have been selected to represent Oakhurst at the super fun time learning to be a leader summer camp. You are expected to show up tomorrow morning at the bus in front of the clock tower. Thank you. Evelyn just thinks to herself, wouldn't it make more sense for them to get seniors to do this? P.S. It does not make more sense for seniors to do it. They have more important things to do. It's like a letter from Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whiskers jumps on your shoulder and is kind of reading the, the letter with you. Yeah, Whiskers... Looks like I'm going to be away for most of the day tomorrow. Whiskers pees a little bit in anger. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, I'll give you some extra treats when I get back. And our camera fades from the roots. Back to Iris. Yeah, so Iris, after she left Egan, uh, was walking and finishing her apple. And then when the apple was finished, she started remembering everything that happened with Kane, And she remembers um, the vision she had when she gazed into the, the abyss with him. And um, I think she saw the, the like some form of darkness in his head, right, Eric? She did. She saw basically the that, that shape of the, that smoky right, 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 humanoid right. shape with the eyes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and she kind of puts two and two together, remembering what Kane said about his magic and having to do prices. And she just starts running. She just starts running back to the treetops and um, I think she goes up to his door. As you just as you're running, you swear like you hear like the trees be like, "Love conquers all, girl. You keep going." <laughs> and she just goes, "Thank you, thank you so much." Follow your heart, fairy girl. <laughs> and then she she runs into the she runs to his door, goes to open it or goes to knock, and then realizes she hears Egan's voice in her head, and she stops, and she's just like. Hops up and down a few times and then starts pacing, probably in the same spot that like Kane was, like just like moments ago in the hallway. And then she runs to her and then she gets an idea. And she runs to her room and grabs um, a paper and a pen. And she's okay. gonna write him a note and slip it under his door. Okay. So she sits crisscross on the ground in front of his door oh. and says something. Um, Something like, uh, Kane, I know you are in a, a bit of a place right now, and I hope the price of your magic is not too great. Uh, uh, just know, as long as you will have me, you don't have to do this alone. I'm here, heart. I hope you are okay. I'm in my room if you need me. Yours, Iris. And she pushes it under the door and then gets up and starts to walk away and thinks of something else she wants to say. So she runs to her room, grabs another piece of paper, <laughs> and then writes and comes back and sits on the ground again and writes, also... Thank you for saving my life. My heart is so full it could burst. Heart, heart, heart. And then shoves that, that under the door as well. <laughs> as soon as you shove it under the door, the door opens and you're looking at Kane. Rewind time a little bit. Kane, 
you are staring at a young boy, like I said, no older than six or seven. He's in a gray school uniform that is kind of bordered with black, and he's got this silvery black tie. And this, uh, you know, not, not, not a bowl cut, but like a decently short, kind of all-length, uh, dark, dark, dark hair. Mm. Very, very pale skin. And you swear that his eyes just glow with a little bit of green. Hmm. And the boy goes, well... Did you call for me? Yes, I, um, I, well, I guess I'll just cut to the chase. I, I had some debts with this demon, and I tried to fulfill one of them, but I realized that I, I can't do that to Iris. I, she's the most important person in my life, and I love her. I, I couldn't do it. So I'm turning to you for help. He, he cocks his head and he goes, that's so sweet, but also fucking pathetic. And, and he smiles at you and he goes, but that's okay. And he hops off the bed and he lands and he walks up to you and he goes, ah, so, and he opens up his palm and you see that, like that red and smoke and fire just floating in his hand, the essence of mm. your old dark master. Wow. And he closes his hand and he goes, um, I can get rid of it for you. It's really no trouble. What's the price? Well, silly, you don't go selling your soul and get it back. Right. So, um, how about we're friends? Do you want to be friends with me? If it means, you know what? Yes, I'll, I'll do whatever I can. As soon as you say that, he clenches his hand and you hear <laughs> as the smoke just dissipates into nothing. Oh, he's he's super nervous, but he's like, he's sweating visibly, but he knows like he he's he needs to do this. He can't do that, Tyrus. The boy runs up to you and hugs you, and you swear that you feel like hair and tentacles and like sharp claws as he's hugging you, but it doesn't look like it. And he just kind of goes away and goes. So you're my friend now, and. That means that you have to do a few things for me, okay? Okay. I'm not as demanding as, and he looks like kind of the ashes on the ground now, as that disgusting piece of shit. Right. You see, there's an order to everything, and I don't deal with mongrels. And he looks down at the dust and goes, you made a deal with something incredibly pathetic, you silly, silly boy. Why would you do such a thing? Yeah. The Kane is like at a loss for words right now. He really has no answers to the questions this guy's throwing at him. So he just mumbles, uh, inco like inco he's hearingly. That's okay. You don't have to have answers. All you have to do is follow. So can you be a good little pet and do exactly what I say? He thinks for a moment and just says yes. Okay, because if you don't, I'm going to rip out the larynx of everyone you love and shove them down your throat. And he smiles at you. I do. Anyways. Have, I do have a question. Yeah. My last demon, I had a, I had a deal that I had to fulfill by, by graduation. Is that still a thing? He looks at you and he goes, a clock is a clock. Right. Once the timer is set, I can't change it. But I can make your trip a lot more fun. And it just so happens, Kane, that unlike our little disgusting friend here, I don't want you to break up with your girlfriend. Okay, that's good. I want you to date her. 
and I want you to show me where she lives. Okay, sure. No problem. Thank you, Kane. And he walks up to your balcony and just flicks his hand very lazily and the door flies open. And he kind of, he, he, his, just the smallest jump and it just takes him over onto the balcony, onto the railing. And he turns back and looks at you and goes, and remember, when I call, you come. Do I have to make myself clear? And his eyes just glow intensely green towards you. And he hasn't stopped smiling this whole time. You're clear. Oh, boy, I'm so glad I have a new best friend. Bye, best friend. Oh, uh, one more thing. And he flicks his hand, Kane, and you literally feel yourself spin around and get slid over to your door. And with one more and with one more hand flick, your door flies open and you're looking right into Iris's eyes. She goes, I'm giving you your space. I just want to leave with this note. Please don't be mad. And she runs to her room. <laughs> and no, before she can even turn around, maybe in the middle of her talking, he yeah. just like grabs her and like pulls her in so tight and just gives her the tightest hug he's ever given her and like behind she can't see right now because he's holding her close but his eyes are just kind of like wide and staring at the wall and he shakes his head for a moment and regains his composure and then brings her back and then plants a big whopping kiss on her face hi iris i am i'm so sorry that i pushed you away it was wrong of me and i just there's a lot going on and i I just needed a moment to kind of process everything and I just I just need you to know that you were the most important thing in my life and I would never do anything to hurt you. I I can't. I love you. She kind of gasps and she goes, "Oh. Oh, my heart. Oh, my heart is so full right now. It's going to burst." Um, okay. Wow. Oh, I'm glad you're not mad. I was so scared. I was so scared your magic was making you do some horrible price and I saw this darkness in your head and it just scared me so much. Are you okay? I, I should be more open with you. Um, do you want to come in? Yeah. Yeah, I have some questions. Oh, what are these? And he kind of grabs <laughs> the papers off the ground. <laughs> oh, Egan said that maybe I should give you some space. And so, um, I just wanted to let you know I was here. But I was trying to give you space because I don't want to force people to do anything they don't want to do because that's just not good energy. And, yeah, so I was just leaving you a note. As she's speaking, he walks across the room to the bedside dresser and he puts the letters in the empty top, top drawer <laughs> and closes it. And then he kind of pats on the bed as he sits down. She like hops over and like jumps onto the bed beside him. <laughs> um, I have something to tell you. Um, hmm. when you, after you healed me, thank you so much again. You saved my life. I'm so full. I'm so happy. Um, I kind of used my magic to try and help you out because you were like frozen and your eyes were black and you weren't moving and I was terrified and I kind of looked inside your head to see what was going on because I was scared something bad was happening to you and I saw a darkness. I saw this this dark thing and I saw this little boy underneath a, a bed and, and people were screaming and I just wanted to give him a hug and is the darkness the thing that makes you do the things you have to do like almost kill that person? Yeah, I I shouldn't I shouldn't even be at this university. I I come from a really bad family and and my father didn't treat us well at all and I'm sure you can paint the picture. Mm. Um and so one day I decided to make a pact with this demon because I wanted an escape. You see, I I wanted to 
I wanted to have a chance at a real life and this demon that I contacted offered me that and I accepted immediately without thinking there's just prices I have to pay and every time I use my magic generally there's it's not for free and I'm really really sorry that I've put you in danger with that oh no I mean Kane you saved my life and I'm not afraid I have my own magic and there's good magic out there. You don't have to make deals with demons. Like fairy magic. It's light. <laughs> you are a light. <laughs> it's not something that's just going to go away, though. It's, it's something I have to carry with me. So if we're going to continue to be together, I need you to understand that I have debts. She just smiles and takes his hands and like holds them close to her and goes, I'll help you with those debts. I don't want to lose you, Iris. You're not. I'll help you Good. with them. And after graduation, I mean, I was supposed to return home, but I want to stay. I like it here. And I like you. You know, speaking of home, I'd, I'd rather get as far away from mine as possible. So maybe maybe hmm. when we do graduate, we, or even before, we, we, we could go to yours. I, I think it'd be beautiful to see where you come from. <laughs> oh. I mean, humans kind of lost the ability to see the the veil a while ago, but I, there might be a way for me to bring you there. No, no rush, but uh, <laughs> and he kind of pats her hand. Um, but I mean, that, that, that'd be great. It's beautiful. I think you'd like it. But uh, tonight I think I just want to get some shut-eye. Um, hmm. Thank you. I, I, I don't know where my head would be at if I didn't have you, honestly. There's a knock at your door. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I can't come in. It's treetop rules. Listen, if this was the roots, I would have kicked down your door, man, but I can't. <laughs> yeah, that place is terrible. I've heard, like, really horrific <laughs> stories about, like, chicken fights and shit. Um, who is it? It's the RA. Uh, um, one, one, one second, Iris. And yeah. obviously, he, he gets up and goes to the door <laughs> and opens it. Uh, hello, you're looking at the dude. Um, he looks like the dude from, uh, you know, the neighbor from Ghostbusters. They're like, hey, man, you guys want to play Parcheesi? <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he looks oh, like that guy. And uh, he goes, hello, I'm looking for Iris Green. <gasps> That's um, me. And she oh, like hops up oh. and like pops up beside Kane. She says, hi, I'm Iris. Oh, so this is your, is this your dorm? No, it's my boyfriend, Kane's. I live a, a Oh, shit, wait, Kane, Kane, Kane Kaufman? Yeah, that's me. Oh, oh, this is my lucky fucking day. And he, you see that he's holding two envelopes. <laughs> and he goes, I must have mixed up the room number. Anyway, uh, these came for you this morning. Ooh, mail, exciting. And you see that they are like a dark brown envelope with gold threads. Ooh. Oh, this is like my first envelope. Human envelope. <gasps> I'm so he excited. Just her a weird look. Like, um, it is reactive and he quickly like corrects himself. Um, th thank you. The RA is holding out his hand like a, like a butler at a hotel. Iris pulls a flower out of her hair and puts it in his hand. <laughs> he looks at it and goes, you know, I've gotten a lot worse, so thanks. And he, he shuts his hand, and, <laughs> oh, and he shuts the door, and he leaves. Poor guy. <laughs> Man. And, and you both see that the envelopes do have scrolled in gold. Office of College Outreach. College Outreach? What's that? I don't know. Let's open it up. <laughs> These both say pretty much the same thing. 
You have been formally called upon to represent Oakhurst College at the Super Fun Time Learning to Be a Leader Camp. You will get to be paired with a student from a high school and teach them how to be a leader. Best of luck and try not to totally screw it up. Iris gasps and it's like a concerned gasp. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is this tomorrow? P.S. This is tomorrow. Wait, does this thing answer all my questions in real time? (laughs) P.S.S. No. (laughs) I like it. Oh, no. What's wrong? Oh, I don't know how to be a leader. I don't want to disappoint people. And she just sits on the ground where she is. (laughs) Kane looks down. He sits down and next to her, puts his hand on her thigh and just says, me fucking either. <laughs> really? Okay, I guess we'll disappoint people together, but at least we'll do it together, right? At least we'll be doing it together. Hmm. And she hops in his lap. In his lap. So you hop on his lap, and you know you two are, are like cuddling and talking and having fun. And as the camera pans out from to your balcony, Kane, we see that the young boy is still kind of standing on the railing. Clearly, neither of you can see him. And from his perspective, what he can see is what looks to be, as if you're looking through his eyes, you see a human cane sitting on a chair, and it looks to be, you can almost see that he's got a glow inside of of white light, but it seems to be tainted with black and green now. Almost like goop has been put on it. And then sitting on him on his lap is a very long-legged, bright turquoise being. Uh, you just see like the turquoise light with these large wings that are surrounding her. And the boy smiles and leaps off the balcony. Damn. And that brings us to Zach. So, Zach, you've been cuddling with um, Alexis. So I'm going to say you can wake up whenever you want. Everyone is still asleep, especially Travis. <laughs> Zach is just like, he's surprised that he's awake and it's tomorrow. He checks like, I guess there's nothing to check. Uh, uh, yeah, he's he's going to wake up a little bit confused. Try to go back to bed. Yeah, you see that the time on your clock says 1130. So you've only really gotten like, you know, five hours of sleep basically at this point. And there is a knock on your door. Because it's only 11.30? Oh, who the fuck is it? Um, it's it's the RA. You, could you just open the, the door? I. Uh, he opens the door and he's completely naked. Oh, and the RA is this like very um, t- like petite uh, girl with a very tight, long ponytail and these giant glasses. And you just see like her magnified eyes drift from your eyes right down to your to your Johnson. Hey, what are you looking at? Okay, Ooh, what are you doing here? Wow. Oh, jeez. This hey, is. How you doing? This is hello. <laughs> this is really wow. You are a gifted individual. Oh yeah, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I am. Anyway, yeah. Without taking her eyes off of it, she goes, I have a note for you. And again, her unblinking giant eyes still staring. Looks like you got something else for me, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, wait, are you like some kind of a a trippy mushroom trip too? (laughs) Uh, She she looks at herself and she's like, no, no, I'm I'm all woman. Oh, fuck yeah. He's just like, uh, like 
touch her cheek and flick her nose lightly. <laughs> I can see. Well, uh, anyway, I, I just came to deliver. She still hasn't taken her eyes off of it. Uh, I, anyways, I just came here to deliver, you know, the message. The and um, yeah, oh yeah, the package. Yeah. Well, it looks like I've got the package, if you know what I'm saying. Listen, if you ever want to, like... He takes the um, the note and closes the door on her. Shakes his head and takes a look at the, the letter. And it has golden writing, the Office of College Outreach. He's going to st- start to read. Yep. It reads... Yeah, and it reads... Hello, you have been <laughs> randomly selected to participate in the soup of he fun... He crumples up the letter and just, like, throws it to Brian. Brian! <laughs> <laughs> Brian immediately does origami with it. And it hits Brian in the face and he like looks at him and he's like, man, this paper quality is exquisite. I've been, I've been trying to build a trebuchet for years and this might be, and it, and he looks, he says, Hey man, it says PS, be there tomorrow morning. What? And then like, it says what? PSS, don't rip this. PSSS, seriously, don't fucking rip this. <laughs> Fuck you, you don't tell me what to do. He's gonna take that fucking paper and rip it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a sec, what did it actually say? He's gonna like put those pieces together, kind of like read it. Like, what's it important? At the, like, at the bottom it says, I assume that you have ripped this paper. Please just be... <laughs> Please just be in front of the clock tower tomorrow in the morning before dawn to represent the college, or um, doing so will bump every grade up a letter. Hmm. Whoa. What does that mean, Brian? To grade up a bump letter? It means... Oh, <laughs> uh, man, it means that if you get, like, a C, it's going to be like a B. Whoa. Fuck. I just have to be at a clock tower tomorrow? Dude, apparently. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Man, are you going to use that paper? Because I really got a... Uh, the, the, the trebuchet is really... It's on my oh, mind. yeah. Sorry, man. Here. I, cool. I just got pissed off because, you know, I hate when people tell me what to do. So here's two pieces of paper. I feel like that. <laughs> oh, fucking righteous, <laughs> man. Brian is just... He's like, well, I think I know what I'm doing the rest of the week. Yeah, cool, Brian. Just <laughs> go fuck yourself. And he's going to go back to bed. <laughs> And on that note, our camera goes through Zach's bedroom and kind of sits as it rises up above the Oakhurst campus during the daytime. And we see that now, as it rolls to noon, the quad finally starts to fill up with students as the third day of the Welcome Week begins. Our camera opens on a dimly lit room in a basement. We see a few rats scurrying across the ground as a single light sits at the very back of the room and it illuminates a small desk where a figure in a long brown leather coat, suspiciously looking a little bit like Willem Dafoe, (laughs) types on a typewriter. And as we see the typewriter... He is frivolously typing. We see that he has four letters already stacked on top of each other. And with the final, he slips out the last piece of paper and gently, just like the others, folds it in a dark envelope and with gold ink writes, The Office of College Outreach. Oh, bullshit! (laughs) And our camera fades to black.
Hey there, thanks for listening. Tall Tale Theater Collective is proud to announce that we are expanding our podcast network to now feature two programs. We will continue to present our horror series, Night Terrors. Welcome to a world of thrills, threats, and terrors. Night Terrors is an anthology radio play podcast that will bring you face to face with your nightmares. Come listen, if you dare. Introducing our newest program, Fantasy Fantasia, which includes two RPG podcast campaigns. The first is Dungeons & Dragons, Legend of the Silver Flame. Experience laughs, suspense, and triumph with a motley crew of adventurers who could be the last hope against great evil, long thought to be vanquished. The second is Monster Hearts, Undergrad. Follow the tale of romance, mystery, desire, and murder as an unlikely bunch of mostly pubescent monsters navigate their social, academic, and supernatural lives at Oakhurst College. Listeners even get the chance to weigh in on the action of both campaigns. For more, visit our website at www.talltaletheater.com. Tall Tale Theater Collective. Grow with us.